Matthew chapter 4, and um, you'll understand why I am doing what I'm doing right now in just a few moments. I will explain all of this to you. We're going to read Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, uh, 23, 24, and 25, I'm sorry. And then we're going to the book of John chapter 21 and read verses 24 and 25, all right? So Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And Jesus went, all, uh, went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, from beyond Jordan. Now, that's the opening of Jesus' ministry. All right? Everybody's with me? That's the beginning of the Lord's earthly ministry. Then we go to the book of John, chapter 21. And we read two verses there, John 21, verses 24 and 25. John 21, verses 24 and 25. This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now that was after John had concluded the life story of Jesus. This is what he had to say. He said, everything I've told you is true. But he said, but I also want you to know this. There are many, many other things he did that are not included in this book or any other book. And he said, in fact, if we were to try to write enough books to cover everything he did, the whole world could not contain the volumes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Amen. Then I'm going to let you be seated. Let's everybody talk to the Lord right now. Jesus, we need your touch. name. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord for a moment, can we? Come on. I'm, I, I, I want to feel a little bit more of the touch of God here this morning. Let's reach out. Let's reach out. Let's reach out. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. God, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. 
Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It has been now, believe it or not, seven years since I began the undertaking of teaching through the Bible. It was in January of 2009 that I taught the first lesson in this series of study, trying to get us through the scriptures with the goal, as I have mentioned before, of of trying to simply give you an overview of each book of the Bible so that you could comprehend what that book was all about. That was the goal. My intention was to spend only one week on each book. My intentions did not work out. Inasmuch as I started that seven years ago, there are only 66 books in the Bible. We should have finished the entire Bible in barely over a year. Uh, in fact, my real intention was that some of the shorter books, we could cover a few of those in one Sunday, and I was going to try to get it all done, all done in the year 2009, seven years ago. And it just didn't work out that way. And uh, from 2009 until 2000, the end of 2011, so it was 09, 10, and 11, three years, we spent covering the Old Testament, three years. Went from Genesis through Malachi in three years. Then, in January of 2012, we began a study of the book of Matthew. We spent three years covering the entire Old Testament. January of 2012, we started the book of Matthew. We took all of 2012, all of 2013, all of 2014, and nine months of 2015. We spent almost four years on the book of Matthew. And so here we are, a new year, and still quite a bit of very important scripture we have never covered. And um, so I wanted to begin today on the book of Mark and start into that gospel. I do not intend, help me Jesus, I do not intend to spend as much time on Mark, Luke, or John although John's going to be a real challenge not spending a lot of time there. But, but um, I, I do not intend to spend as much time on those three Gospels as we spent Matthew uh, for the simple reason that many of the things included in those other three we have dealt with already. Are you with me? Everybody's with me. I know I'm not preaching. I'm just trying to lay some groundwork, so stay with me for a few moments. Uh, so my intention was that today we would begin the book of Mark and we would start dealing with that. And then as I began to pray and I began to consider, I thought, you know, uh, it's been a while since, since I really just talked about how these four books get together. And that's when I started doing some of the looking and going back and figuring out that it was four years ago this week that we began... Uh, the book of 
Matthew. Actually, that's not even accurate because the first lesson was not on the book of Matthew. The first lesson was what I called an overview of the Gospels. And in that lesson, I, I dealt with the four Gospels as a whole and talked about some principles and some things that you need to know before we got into the book of Matthew. And so as I was praying and I, I was studying and preparing to begin the book of Mark, I thought, you know, I remember a few things that I said in that lesson that I probably ought to go back and pick up before we get into Mark. Because again, I want you to understand some, some basics about the four Gospels. There's some things I want you to know about these books, how they work together, um, just some things I want you to know. So I, I remembered a particular thing that I had addressed during that lesson, which is really uh, quite an accomplishment for me to remember anything from four years ago. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, but I did remember, and so I went back, and I, I pulled up that lesson, and I began to look through it, and, and, and I was looking for that particular part. And as I read and read and read, I said, you know, I think it would be good if I just go back and cover that lesson again before we get into Mark. And I may do it depending on how long we take in the book of Mark. I may do it again before we get to Luke. I don't know. But there are some very important principles that I feel like I need to cover before we start into Mark. Is everybody with me? Just, I just feel like these are things that I need to say again. And it's been four years ago. So, you know, if the one who taught it, the one who wrote it, studied it, taught it, remembered one thing from the lesson, it's highly likely that those who sat and listened to me teach it remember very much at all. And so I want to go back if you will allow me, and, and once again revisit this overview of the Gospels and prepare your hearts for us beginning to look at the book of Mark. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've got so much in my notes right here. Um, ten pages of notes. So don't sweat it. I'm not going to teach until service starts tonight. I'll teach until time runs out or the Holy Ghost gets through and then we'll pick up next Sunday and we'll finish this out before we actually begin our study of Mark. All right? Everybody okay with that? If you're not, I'm sorry. You're, you're going to get it anyhow. So there's just not much I can do about it. This is what I feel like I really felt in study and prayer. This is what God wanted me to do today. So it's what I'm going to do. And uh, I think that it will help. And I know that, that there are some who are here today who weren't with us four years ago. And so you don't have any of this background. So I just feel like this is important stuff. All right? I feel like it's important stuff. Uh, I, I said that the Bible is the most important book in the world. And I stand by that statement. But the problem is we really don't have a deep understanding of that book. And, and too many people have only a cursory knowledge of the scripture. In fact, there are some people 
Some people, I, I don't think anybody here in this congregation, but some people I've dealt with who really think there's only one verse in the Bible, judge not that you be not judged. Whatever you say, whatever you do, judge not. Bible says judge. That's all they know about the Bible, all right? They couldn't find it if they had to, but they know it's in there. The Bible says so much more than that. In fact, in fact, I won't. I'm not even going to show you where it is. Sometimes it's good for you to go look things up. But did you know that the Bible, while Jesus did say, judge not that you be not judged, did you know that Paul came back later and said, the spiritual judgeth all things? Look that one up. It's there. Praise God. So, anyhow, th- there's so much, and there's a good explanation. as to Those scriptures don't disagree with one another. There's a good explanation behind it all, all right? But, but uh, number one, just so you understand, number one, when Jesus made that statement, judge not that you be not judged, he was not talking to spiritual people. He was talking to carnal people. And then Paul comes along and says, the spiritual judgeth all things. So there's no contradiction here. Um, but, but I think that it's important for us, if we're, and especially if some of you, and I hope that you do, I hope that my appeal to you to read your Bible through this year, I hope that it has touched your heart, and I hope some of you are, are going to walk out of this service today saying, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it. And you know what? If you don't get very far in it, if, if you don't get past Deuteronomy, at least you've been reading the Bible. All right? I, I'm not going to condemn you for not finishing. I'm saying thank you for reading. It's better that you read some and didn't finish than that you didn't read any at all. So, So I hope that some of you will accept this challenge today and walk out of here saying, I'm going to read my Bible. But I want to tell you that if you're going to read your Bible, you need to have some understanding of what the book's all about. And so I think it's important as we look at these Gospels, I think it's important that we understand what they're all about. First of all, I I trust that all of you are aware that the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the four Gospels. Everybody knows that? Well, about three of you know that. So now all of you know it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels. The word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion. And and that word uh, comes to us um, as a combination of two Greek words. uh, Eu, which means good, and angelos, which means messenger, when you put them together, it means the good message, all right? Or some people say the good news. That's what gospel means, the good news, the good message. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John provide us with the four gospels, the four books that present the good news, Amen. Now, again, it is euangelion, and it is the word uh, that uh, is the, the, the base for our word evangelize. I don't know how many of you realize that, but the word evangelize 
actually comes to us from euangelion. It, it comes, it, it means to evangelize, means to spread this good news. All right, are you with me? It is, it is the propagation, the telling of the good news. So why do we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the Gospels? Why is it that if you read some commentaries, these men are called the evangelists? I don't know how many of you have seen that, but, but sometimes I'll pick up a commentary and they'll, they'll refer to the evangelist, Matthew the evangelist. Why are they called that? Because they set about to share the good news. That's what these four books are all about. They are all about spreading the good news. Now, what is the good news? What is the good news? What good news are they trying to share? That Jesus came. And not just came, but what? He died. He rose again. That's the good news. The good news is we have a Savior. You see, the bad news is this. Every one of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Every human being alive, when you are born, you have born within you a sinful nature. It was handed down to us from our original father and mother, Adam and Eve. They transgressed the law of God and corrupted our nature. I know that psychologists and psychiatrists and, and, and whoever else out there will tell you that man is basically good in his nature. I'm here to tell you that's not true. Man's nature is not good. Man's nature is evil. You, man has to learn to be good. You don't believe that? Visit a daycare tomorrow. Hello? If you think men are born good, just watch a handful of kids for a little while. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You don't have to teach them how to cheat. You don't have to teach them how to call names. Right? It's in their nature. What you do have to teach them to do is tell the truth. Behave themselves. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. You've got to teach that. That's got to be instilled within a child because our nature was corrupted by Adam and Eve. I hope you're with me today. So, and listen, this is why this is why just turning over a new leaf, it's New Year's, right? It's New Year's. So everybody's got a brand new uh, resolution. I'm going to lose weight this year. And so they go on a, a two-month diet, and all they lose is 60 days. We make these resolutions. We're going to change ourselves. I'm going to tell you, you'll never change yourself to be good enough for God. You can't do it. You can't fix yourself because your nature is bad. 
I know, I know, please, don't be offended at what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says all. Does anyone know what the word all means? There's no exceptions. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's our condition. That's the way it is. In fact, this is not in the notes, but I'm just trying to do what I feel this morning. John chapter 3 and verse 3. I want to show you something here. Now now watch this. John chapter 3 and verse 3. John 3 and 3. Jesus answered, Jesus answered and said, and said unto him, him verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to I, thee, I tell you, what? Except a man be born again. Except a man be born again. He cannot comma, see. comma, except a man be born again, comma. He cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, look, let me just, I don't want to bore you with, a, with an English grammar lesson, but I want you to understand the structure of this sentence. All right, would you look at it? In this sentence is a rule. There's a rule. But the rule has an exception clause. Is everybody with me? There's a rule that's clearly stated with an exception. What is the rule? The rule is he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the rule. The rule is there's not one of us that can go to heaven. That's the rule. But there's an exception. There's an exception to the rule. And what's the exception? Except a man be born again. So if you don't meet the exception, then you fit under the rule. Are you with me? This is what it says. The rule is you can't be saved. But there's an exception. And the exception is if you'll be born again, then you can be saved. Why do we have to be born again? Because our nature is corrupt. And a corrupt nature cannot get into heaven. Nothing that is defiled is going to enter that city. You hear me? Nothing that's corrupted is going there. No sin is ever going in that place. And our natures are full of sin. So what do we got to do? We've got to get a new nature. We've got to get rid of this corrupted, sinful nature that we were born with. And the only way we can do it, we're just going to have to be born again. Well, hallelujah. Thank God for the exception. That, my friend, is the good news. That's the good news. The rule stood until Jesus got here. You'll never be good enough to go to heaven. That was the rule until he got here. But because of his coming, he said, I'm going to write an exception into this clause, and I'm going to give you a way to get around the rule. That's good news. I can go to heaven today. I couldn't go before, but I can go today because Jesus wrote an exception into the rule. That's the good news. That's the good news. And what good news it is. See, 
trying not to get too sidetracked in all this. It'll take me more than two weeks to teach this lesson if I, because I really hadn't even got into the notes yet. But, but, but look, what good news this is. Because when God saw that we were doomed for hell, God said, I'm going to fix that situation. John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1. None of this is in the notes. Brother Wisdom, I'm putting you to the test this morning. Hallelujah. The Lord allowed you to have this Sunday morning off so you could be here and have your faith tested. Praise God. All right, John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. Word here in the Greek is logos. This is not a Greek lesson, but it's just important for you to know that, that while our Bible translates it word, it's really way beyond word. There are other Greek terms that can be translated word, such as rhema. Rhema is a spoken word, okay? But logos is much more than a spoken word. Lagos involves a concept. Okay. I, um, uh, I better not get into any of that. But anyhow, it, there, there's a concept here. It's not just one word, but it's a whole concept. In fact, a better way to translate this is actually a plan. It's like a blueprint. All right? You know what blueprints are. You've seen building plans. Blueprints. This building, Br Brother Hilton didn't just come in here and dig a hole and start throwing lumber up wherever he wanted and, 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 and put a window here and, oh, I think I'll put a door there. It didn't work that way. But before this building could become a reality, somebody had to have a blueprint. Somebody had to draw a plan and figure out, we'll have this much room for platform space, this much room for seating, this will be a foyer. This, all of this is in the one plan for the building. Is everybody with me? In the beginning was a plan. God was not surprised that Adam and Eve sinned because this was in the beginning. Adam and Eve were after the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it's after the beginning that God created man. Right? So Adam and Eve came after the beginning. But in the beginning, God already had a plan. God knew exactly what he was doing. This is, we were spending time the other night talking to, to some folks and, and telling them this is why as you read the Old Testament, what you're really seeing is a verbal picture of what's going to happen in the New Testament. You know why? Because you're just looking at God's plan. God's had this plan all along. Everything that unfolded, it was all a part of God's plan. God is digging footers or God is putting in uh, beams or God in some way God is bringing this plan about 
So everything he did, he did it with the plan in mind. He did it in accordance with the plan. You know, right now, if we got ready to build a new building, I can't just go out here and build a building. Even if I've got a blueprint, I can't. But, but the city, the planning wants to know, what is your plan? What are you going to do with the rest of the property? How does everything fit into the plan for the city? Right? We just went down to get the building rezoned in Lacine uh, that, that God blessed us with so we could start a church down there. And, and one of the things that they took into consideration for the rezoning was what is the overall plan of this town? And how does this rezoning fit into the plan? All right? Are you with me? So in the beginning, God already had a plan. Before man ever sinned, God had a plan. Now let's read about that plan. And the word was with and God. And the plan was with God. It wasn't something God had to go over here and find. God didn't have to go to a library. God didn't have to sit down at his computer and, 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 and bring in some kind of 3D architectural, um, uh, what, what, what they used to call that, CAD drawings. They still use that term? I don't know if they use that or not. CAD, CAD drawings. Um, God didn't have to do all that, all right? This plan was not detached from God. This is not a plan God borrowed from someone else. Right. You know, there's been, there's been once or twice in our lives that, that um, I don't know how much my wife was thinking about it, but I was thinking that I'd really like to build a house. I just would like to do it. I'd like to build a house. But I know nothing about designs and blueprints. and So I would go buy these books and they would show you these houses, and you could just pay a certain fee, and they'd send you the blueprints you need. It's all already drawn up for you, you know. Um, I didn't have to design the blueprint. I just buy it. God didn't, God didn't get somebody else's blueprint. The plan was with God. In the beginning, God had a plan, and God didn't get it from anywhere else. It was with him. It was with God. The plan, the word, was with God. And what else? And the word was God. And the plan was God. God said, I've got a plan. I know man is going to sin. I know man is going to fail. I know man is going to end up on his way to a devil's hell. But I've got a plan. I am going to fix that problem. And here's what he said. You want to know what the plan is? The plan is not that I'm going to search through heaven. Just suppose God searched through heaven. Couldn't find one willing to be. Look, God didn't search through heaven. Okay? Beautiful melody, but God did not search through heaven. He didn't have to. When God devised the plan, God already knew who was going to fulfill that plan. And God didn't look to his right hand nor to his left to find somebody to fulfill it. The plan was, the plan was, the very one who designed it said, I know what it's going to take to save them, and I'm going to do it myself. And so what does verse 14 tell us? And, the word was and that flesh. plan, that plan, that plan was made flesh or became a reality. Now look. It's great, it's great that Brother Hilton had a plan for this building. But we can't worship in a blueprint. You can't heat and cool 
a blueprint. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but it's not going to do us much good. All right? Can't put pews in the blueprint. Draw a picture of them. This is where we're going to put them, but we can't sit on that picture. You understand? Is everybody with me? The plan's got to become a reality before it does us any good. The plan was necessary. The plan was essential. But the plan had to be fulfilled for it to be effective. So this plan, and what was the plan? What was the plan? God was the plan. And so God, the plan, was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth this is what we understand God didn't tap somebody else to fulfill the plan God said I am the plan I'm going to do this and so God made himself real to us by taking on flesh Hallelujah. And we called the flesh the Son of God. Not a separate person. Not a distinct individual. The flesh. I'm going to have to prove it. Luke 135. I'm going to have to prove it. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not really comprehending what I'm telling you, I want to, I want to show you that I'm not out of the scriptures. So Luke 1 and 35. And the angel answered. The angel answered. And said unto her, said unto her, Holy Ghost shall come upon now, thee. You know what? I love this. When I was in Liberia, I did it. I do it, I guess, just about every time because I love to watch the reaction on their faces. I am just really, uh, it, when, when I get to this verse, I'm just really starting to get into the Godhead. I've, I've spent 15 or 20 minutes dealing with God, that God is a spirit, right? John 4 and 24, God is a spirit. God's not a person. He's not a person. God's not a person. This is, this is the problem when they say the Father is the first person of the Trinity. No, the Father's not even a person. Jesus said the Father's a spirit. There's a difference between a person and a spirit. I, I deal with the fact that this spirit is everywhere. That's what the Bible says. He's everywhere. Heaven, heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Heaven's his throne. The earth's his footstool. David said if I take the wings in the morning, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. God is everywhere. God fills the universe. He's everywhere. A person can't do that, but a spirit can. So the Father's a spirit. So I, I, I drill this. I drill this. I drill this. Father's a spirit. Father's everywhere. You can't see him. The Bible says no man has seen God at any time. Talking about the spirit. You can't see the spirit. Spirit's invisible. You can't see the Father. It's invisible. So then we get to the Son. And we start in Luke 135, and I love it. I love it. Read that verse for me. And the angel answered the angel and said answered, unto her. And said to Mary, this is Mary that the angel's talking to. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Okay, now stop right there. Who is going to come upon Mary? Who? All right, now, now wait a minute. The angel is telling Mary that she is about to be with child. Everybody agrees with that? And he's telling her how this is going to happen. And he said the way it's going to happen is that the Holy Ghost is going to come on. Now, I love it because, because, first of all, the minute we read that and I stop, I start seeing some of 
puzzled faces. And um, Liberia was maybe one of the best examples I had seen of this. Um, and so, so then I, I, I put it to him like this. I said, look, I know, you know, this is my first time in Liberia. I said, this is my first time in your country. I'm glad to be here. My first time in your country. But I have been to Zimbabwe. I've been to Malawi. I've been to um, Botswana. I've been to some other countries. They're just flying in and out. Been to Kenya, obviously. Been to uh, South Africa. Been to some other countries. Been to uh, Senegal. Uh, been, been to some other countries. Uh, Sierra Leone over there. Uh, but, but as far as teaching seminars. And I said, what I've found, it, it's amazing. But I've found that it works this way in America. It works this way in Botswana. It works this way in Zimbabwe. It works this way in Malawi. And I'm interested to know if it works this way in Liberia because it seems like this, you know, it's, it's kind of getting to where it's a universal principle. But this is what I've learned. Everywhere I've gone so far and taught these seminars, I've learned that whoever it is that causes the woman to become pregnant, that one is the father. Does it work that way in Liberia too? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, well, I thought it did. Uh, whoever causes the woman to become pregnant, I don't care who she's married to. Whoever causes her to become pregnant is the father of that child. Right? 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 Everybody with me? So read the verse again. Start from the beginning. The angel. The angel answered, answered and said unto her, and said unto her the, Holy Ghost, who? the Holy Ghost. Who? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon thee. So who caused Mary to get pregnant? The Holy Ghost. So who's the father of Jesus? The Holy Ghost. If the Father and the Holy Ghost are two different people, we've got a big problem here. That's right. If Father is the first person and Holy Ghost is the third person, we've got major problems. Because it was the Holy Ghost that caused Mary to get pregnant. So I don't care how you look at it, the Holy Ghost was Jesus' Father. So what happened? Did he spend his life confused about who his Father was? Did he have two fathers? What's the answer? The answer is the Father is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the Father. We've already established John 4 and 24. God is a. God is a. And this is the Holy Spirit. And God throughout the Old Testament is referred to as the Holy One of Israel. So if he's the Holy One and he is a spirit, then he is the Holy Spirit. This is not two different people. It's a different term for the same one. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. But I don't stand up behind this pulpit and say, your husband wants you to fast this week. Because that's not my relationship with you at the moment. Nor do I go home and say, okay, honey, your pastor wants you to cook supper tonight. 
That's not the relationship I have with her at the moment. Now, I can exclude the rest of you and still say, when I stand behind the pulpit, even if I'm speaking to her, I, I, I speak to her. There, there may be times that I have to speak to her as her pastor when I'm up here. Right? I don't then say, this is your husband telling you. Though I am. But the title that is used depends on the relationship and the role that I have at that moment. So if we talk about him as the father, it's because of the role he is in at the moment. The relationship we have with him under those circumstances. When we talk about the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it, we're talking about not just this one who created the world, but the one living inside of us. Same one, just a different office that this one holds. It's the only way you can explain this verse. There is no other biblical explanation for this. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Then what did he say? Therefore also, I'll read it for you if you're not going to read it. Therefore also, Therefore also that holy thing. That, listen to this, that holy thing right. which, shall be, born which shall be born of thee shall be called shall be called the son of the son. God. Mary was not the mother of God. There are churches that teach that. Mary was the mother of God. Um, in fact, we went down to Branson to the Sight and Sound Theater. This is not free advertisement because I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. So they wouldn't want this kind of advertisement. You know, they, they take biblical stories, those that are not familiar. Sight and Sound Theater takes biblical stories and puts them into drama form, acts them out. So we went to see the miracle of Christmas, I think is what they called it. And in this, Mary is talking to her mother about what has happened. And in the play, they've got it where Mary's mother believes Mary uh, that this really is an act of God. I'm not sure that happened, number one. Look, I know some of you mamas think that your kids are perfect, but I doubt seriously there's a mama in this house that if your single daughter came to you and said, I'm pregnant, you'd say, oh, it must be God. You'd probably be saying, get ready to meet God. Right? I mean, Mary's mother was human just like any other mother. And I've got a feeling that her mother wrestled with this. Why do you think she left home and had to go stay with somebody else for a while? It's in the Bible, right? But in this play, this is what I'm trying to get to. In this play, Mary's mother believes this. She just accepts it. She embraces it. And then she runs out saying, I'm going to be God's grandma. I thought, how ridiculous. You're not God's grandma. Mary is not giving birth to God. You say, are you saying Jesus was not God? No. I said Mary didn't give birth to God. Mary gave birth to flesh. God dwelt inside that flesh. But God did not come from Mary. Mary came from God. 
God is a... Mary did not give birth to a spirit. Mary gave birth to flesh. Therefore, that holy thing which would be born of Mary is what we're going to call the Son of God. Not a separate person. Not a separate person. All right? I have flesh, too much of it, but I have flesh. I have a spirit. My spirit is not the same thing as my flesh. But they don't make two different people. Do you hear me? Do you hear me today? I have flesh. I have a spirit. My spirit is not my flesh. But they are not two separate people. Mary did not give birth to the spirit. She gave birth to the flesh. But what she gave birth to was both spirit and flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.19, get it for me. 2 Corinthians 5.19, what she gave birth to, she gave birth to the flesh. But dwelling inside of that flesh was the eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm, I'm a little ways off of the good news, but I'm getting there. Just stay with me. In fact, this verse kind of brings us back to the good news. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, what does it say? To wit. To wit. That God that, was Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. To wit that God. All right. God is a spirit. To wit that the spirit was in Christ. All right, was in Christ. That is the son. The son is the so let's read it again. To wit that the spirit was in the flesh. Right. Doing what? Reconciling, Reconciling the world, the world to, to not themselves. Right. As though God and Christ are two different people. Right. But reconciling the world to himself because God in Christ made one. Right. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah. This is not two separate persons. How in the world could the Father, I'm so far off track. How in the world could the Father also be the Son? Well, why don't you ask Isaiah that? In Isaiah 9 and 6, why don't you ask him that? How could the Father be the Son? How could the Father be the Son? Well, let's ask Isaiah about it, all right? Let's see if I'm right. Isaiah 9 and 6 says this. For unto us, For unto us a child is a born. A what? A child. A what? A child. A what? A child is born. Read. Unto us a son is a given. What? What? Come on, help me out here this morning. A what? A son is given. So who are we talking about? No, 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 don't give me a name. Just who are we talking about? The son. Thank you. The son. We're talking. Let's stay with the Bible. Let's, I know it's Jesus, but we just want to look at what the Bible says. I'm just trying to prove something here. He said the son. Everyone say the son. We're talking about the son. But who is this son? Read. And the government shall Government's be going to be on his shoulders. His and his name shall be called. Shall be called. Wonderful. This is the name of the son. The name of the son is wonderful. Counselor. The name of the son is counselor. Mighty God. The name of the son is not a mighty God, but the mighty God. That's the name of the son. But that's not all. What else is his name? The everlasting the father. The name of the son is the everlasting father. 
sounds like to me, Isaiah believed the son and the father were the same. See, this is what I say. Do you believe that Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah? Do you believe that? Anybody believe that? Anybody believe he was the lion of the tribe of Judah? You believe that? Do you believe he was the lamb of God? How could one be both lion and lamb? Does anybody believe he's the rose of Sharon? Does anybody believe he's the lily of the valley? How could one be both rose and lily? Hello? Does anybody believe he's the alpha? You believe he's the omega? How could one be alpha and omega? Do you believe that he is the root of David? Do you believe he's the offspring of David? How could he be both the root and the offspring? Hallelujah. Do you believe he was the sacrifice? Do you believe he was the high priest that offered the sacrifice? How can he be both the one who is sacrificing and the sacrifice being given? I'll tell you how. Because God was in Christ. God the Spirit was in the flesh. It was the Spirit that was the root of David. It was the flesh that was the offspring of David. It was the spirit that was the mighty God and the everlasting father. It was the flesh that was the child and the son. Hallelujah. Praise God. It was the spirit that was the lion of the tribe of Judah. But it was the flesh that was the lamb of God. It was the spirit that was the high priest making the sacrifice. But it was the flesh that was being offered that day. Is everybody with me? That's not two separate people. That is the one mighty God. That's why the word, the plan was made flesh. It wasn't God looking down at us and say, I love you enough that I'm going to stay here, send my boy down there, and I'm turning my back on him and you. That's not love. That's not love. That's not love. This building was on fire today. Brother Jerry and Brother Jared were the only ones who got out. And all of a sudden, we're trapped. We don't know where to go. We hear Brother Jerry's voice hollering through this side door. Don't worry. I'm going to save you. How are you going to do it, Brother Jerry? I'm sending Jared in there to get you, but I'm staying out here with my back turned on the whole process. Are you going to call Brother Jerry a hero? Are you going to call him a savior? You know what you're going to call him? A coward. Send your boy to go do that. Why don't you do it? I'm telling you, God did not look through heaven and send somebody else to do this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it was God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. It was God that 
came to this earth to purchase our redemption. Now I'm back on the good news. That's why this is such good news. We were doomed for hell. We were lost. We had no hope. But God said, I'm coming down there myself. The great creator of the universe said, I love you enough. As a spirit, I can't bleed. As a spirit, I can't die. But it's going to take blood and it's going to take death to get you out of hell. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to take on blood so that I can come down and redeem you myself. That, my friend, is good news. That's good news. That God loved us enough. I know, I know, I know about John 3.16. I'm going to tell you the only way you really understand. John 3.16, go to 1 John 3.16. Go to 1 John. 1 John 3.16. See, I ask this too. When I'm there in Africa, I'm teaching. Most of you know John 3.16. Oh, yeah, yeah, almost all of them. Nearly, nearly everybody there, if not everybody in that room, can quote for me John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Have everlasting life. See, that clearly says the father had the son do this. No, that's not what it said at all. And if you really want to understand what it does say, My next question to them is, how many of you know 1 John 3.16? And can I tell you, every country I've been to, not one hand has ever raised when I ask that question. None of them know 1 John 3.16. What have I taught you for 20 years about interpreting the Bible? What's the best way to interpret the Bible? Let Scripture interpret. I'm so glad somebody knew that. I was about to get worried. If there's anything I have stressed over and over and over for 20 years, if you're going to understand the Bible, let the Bible interpret the Bible. So you want to interpret John 3.16? Do it with 1 John 3.16. And what does 1 John 3.16 say? Hereby Hereby perceive perceive we the love of God. This is how we know that God loves us. How? Because he laid down his life. Wait a minute. Because because what? Say it again. Say it in the microphone. I want everybody out there to hear you. Because what? He. Who is he? This this pronoun requires an antecedent. That means that it requires a noun. A pronoun is indiscriminate. A pronoun doesn't really tell you. If I say, he has on a nice suit today. If I make that statement here, you don't know who I'm talking about. The pronoun he does not define anybody if there is not a noun for that pronoun to describe. Are you with me? Now, if I start the sentence by saying, Jared is sharply dressed. He has on a nice suit today. Then you understand he, the pronoun, has the antecedent Jared. And you know about whom I'm speaking. Is everybody with me? So when you find a pronoun like he, she, it, you want to find out who that refers to. Well, the only noun we can find in this verse, hereby perceive we the love of, that's the only person, and not a person there, but the only individual that is 
named in this verse. Right? So he has to refer back to God. This is how we know and understand the love of God. How? Because he. Because he. Who? God. Because God. Laid down his Laid life. down his. Whose? God's. Because God laid down God's life for us. Right. What life did God have? What life could he lay down? Not as a spirit, but as the flesh. When he took on a human body, that's the life that he laid down for us. This is how we know God loves us. Not because he sent his son, a separate individual, but because he became the son. He himself died for us. That's how we know God loves us. That, my friends, that is the good news. Lord have mercy. Is it really five minutes till? Is it really? Look at your time. Find out. Am I, am I really? Lord have mercy. I didn't get anywhere in these notes. Is it right? Okay. All right. Come to the music. I got to quit. My time's up. All right. Next week, Lord willing, we'll go back to this overview of the Gospels. But really, I haven't gotten off the subject. I just hadn't stayed with my notes. Because the subject is the Gospels, the good news. And I've just defined for you today what the good news is. The good news is you don't have to be lost. The good news is God loved you enough that he became something he was not and yet never ceased to be what he always was. Surely that's not confusing. Can I tell you? On August the 15th, 1980, I became something I never was. I became a husband. But I didn't cease being what I had always been. I had always been a brother, a son, a nephew, a cousin. The things that I always was, they didn't, those things didn't end on August the 15th, 1980. But on that date, I became something I never had been while still remaining everything I had always been. Then, December the 15th, 1981, my first daughter was born. Now, I've become something again I've never been. Now I'm a father. I didn't cease being a husband I didn't cease being a son, but I am something I had not been. Is everybody with me? This is God. When God took on flesh, he became something he had never been that is human, but he never ceased being what he had always been, God. Hallelujah. That's the good news. That's the good news. Hallelujah. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John want to tell us about. That's what they spent their time writing about, about the good news, explaining to us that God loved us enough that he said, I'll go to whatever length it takes to make sure you don't go to hell. I'm going to provide the way. If you go, it's because you chose to go. But God has provided the way 
God wrote in an exception clause. Except a man be born again. God wrote in the exception. I'm going to give you a way to be born again. I'm going to give you a way. I'm going to provide for you an exception to the rule. The rule is you can't go to heaven, but I'm providing an exception to that rule. I'm going to tell you how you can be accepted from the rule. The way that's going to happen is to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? You put your Bible away too fast. John 3 and verse 5, because Nicodemus asked this very question. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus was saying, what does it mean to be born again? So Jesus told him what it means. John 3 and 5. Jesus answered. Jesus answered. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He states the rule again. The rule is man cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's the rule. That's the rule. But he said, let me just explain this exception to you a little bit more. Here's the exception. You've got to be born again. What does that mean? It means you've got to be born of water that is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be born of the Spirit. That is, you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. He said, if you'll meet the exception, that's what it takes to be born again. Not one or the other. It takes both to be born again. But if you'll do that and you'll be born again, you become the exception to the rule. And then you're not blocked from heaven anymore. You've got access. You can go now because you've been born again. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's lift our hands. Let's love him, everyone. Come on, let's love the Lord. Praise God. Come on, let's stand. Let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. There is a plan. There is a way. He provided a way. He made a plan. And he said, I am that plan. You want to be born again? Be baptized in my name. Let me fill you with my spirit. I'll give you a new nature. I'll take away that old nature that you used to have. And I'll give you a new nature. See, I have people tell me from time to time, preacher, I can't live that way. I can't live like a Christian. I've got too many issues. I understand what you're saying. What you don't understand is I can't live that way either. Not by myself, I can't. So you know what I do? The Apostle Paul said it this way. Galatians chapter 2 and 20, he said, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you get what he said? Paul said, I can't live this way either. So you know what I did? I just found an altar and died. I died out to the old man I used to be. 
I laid all my sins on the altar, and now you know what's happening? The Spirit of God is in me, and it's that Spirit that's living this life. The question is not, can you live like a Christian? The question is, can God live like a Christian? Can God live like a Christian? Of course he can. So you know what I've got to learn to do? Let God live through me. By the power of his spirit. That's why he comes and writes his law, not in tables of stone, but on the tables of our heart. I tell people all the time, I do as many illicit drugs as I want to do because I don't want to do them. I drink as much alcohol as I want to drink because I don't want to drink it. This is not because it's on a list of rules. It's because it's in my heart. God changed the desires of my heart. And now I want to do what pleases him. And I don't want to do what displeases him. Not a list of rules. It's love in my heart. I want to make him happy. Praise God. Can you live this way? No, not without the power of the Spirit. You can't. But with the power of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost can live through you. And you can be whatever God wants you to be because it's his Spirit that's doing the living. Oh, hallelujah. These altars are open if you want to come today. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, God would love to fill you with the Holy Ghost before you leave this service today. Amen. Would you help me pray for just a moment, church? Could we just bind together and pray? If you're here in this service and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, God wants you to have it today. It's the only way you're really going to live the life he wants you to live is by the power of his spirit. You can't do it on your own but you can't do it through him. Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But Paul also said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If it's the power of my flesh, I'm not going to get anywhere. But if his spirit lives through me, I can go wherever God wants me to go. I can do whatever God wants me to do because he's the one doing it. You know that even the man Christ Jesus made that statement. He said, the words that I speak, I speak not of myself, but my Father, that is the Spirit that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. All of the miracles Jesus performed, all of the healings that Jesus performed were not performed by the power of his flesh. They were performed by the power of the Spirit that dwelt in him. Hallelujah. And you can have that same spirit dwelling inside of you, giving you the power to be an overcomer, giving you the power to truly live the way God wants you to live. Why don't we take just a moment, let's just find a place to pray for just a moment, and, and let's talk to the Lord. Let's thank him. If nothing else, let's thank him today. Let's thank him today for the good news, for the gospel message that provided an exception for us. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord together. Let's talk to the Lord together, everybody.